It's rare to see an Asian household saying "I love you" to each other, but food has always been the media and the love language between Iris and her parents growing up. During the 2020 pandemic, Iris noticed that a lot of people are losing their jobs, and food insecurity has been a very large issue. Not only that, many restaurants are closing their operations. So Iris decided to build Open Meal to fundraise for restaurants to enable them to distribute free meals to people who's in need. Open Meal was able to raise forty-two thousand dollars and donate more than three thousand meals from one hundred and nine diners. After the success and huge impact from Open Meal, Iris decided to do something bigger. She went on to found another project called Nutrify, where they empower consumers with carbon footprint data on food to make informed decisions through online food shopping. Iris is also a product manager at ScaleAI. She's previously worked at Microsoft, Google X Robotics, and BlackBerry. Here is our conversation. I saw your LinkedIn profile,、um, saying seeing you that you got an offer from Twitter,、um, but somehow、um, the the offer was rescinded. So I was I was really curious what was going on at the time, and just want to understand back of the story if you don't mind letting me know a bit more. Yeah, of course.、Uh, well, thank you for welcoming to the podcast.、Uh, I'm Iris. I I was recruiting for like APM、uh, full time roles last year during.、Um, December. Well, from September to December timeframe, and then I signed a Twitter offer around November time, and and then that was at that time it was already kind of like turmoil because a lot of turmoil is happening within Twitter,、um, and with Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter, and then around May this year, twenty twenty two. Twitter had a lot of like big movements happening, and then I got a call from HR, and they said that, "Oh, we're sorry, there's headcount control, and then we have to resend your offer." So at this point,、um, all the new grad recruiting has already finished because it's May of 2022, and I'm supposed to start full time in September 2022. So with like four months left, I'm, I will, I was like just gonna try to find a new job.、Um, Luckily, I also got an offer from ScaleAI before、uh, for my new grad recruiting in December, and、um, I took Twitter at a time because, well, I think it it just it just so happened that <laughs> Twitter's offer came first, and then I signed their offer first, and then、um, was leaning towards their company.、Um, but then, so I. But I still kept in touch with the recruiter from ScaleAI, and then afterwards, when I when my offer from Twitter got rescinded, I reached back out to the recruiter at ScaleAI, and they're kind enough and、uh, very supportive to give me my offer back. So then I was able to join Scale full time as a strategic product manager. So yeah, feeling very lucky, I would say.、Um, although the whole rescinding、um, offer was quite. It was quite stressful to go through,、um, not knowing where you go for full time. But I would say for anyone who's out there also experiencing some similar,、um, always look out for new opportunities out there that you will you will find it、um, eventually. So, 
Thank you for sharing. I, um, it's unfortunate. And I'm like, um, I'm very sorry for to hearing that the, the offer was rescinded. And I also see a lot of other big tech company right now, for example, Meta, they just laid up 11% of the employee. Um, it's unfortunate, especially for a new grad like you, who's sort of their first job fresh out of fresh, uh, after graduating. But I, I find your attitude quite positive and uplifting. I read your uh, LinkedIn post on, on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, so I, I want to know, like, how did you turn this uh, negative situation uh, into sort of a, an opportunity for you? Because I thought that was quite inspiring. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I mean, I saw the Meta news. Um, some of my friends are also impacted. My roommate was laid off. Um, so it's, it's quite sad. It's just... Um, very unfortunate. I would say in times like this, it's very easy to like um, feel kind of desperate. But I would say when I was going through it, um, I also felt uh, quite uncertain. And there was a few days that I couldn't sleep very well, just thinking about, oh, how do I tackle job search? I think I, I was very quick in realizing that like, I mean, you should let your emotions go for a few days, but then uh, that doesn't help you solve the problem. So um, I basically started drafting like my LinkedIn post for announcing my resending offer and um, basically the night off, actually. The, the night off uh, hearing from recruiter that my offer was rescinded and I posted it the next morning. And then for the next two weeks after I made the post, I interviewed at 40 different companies. There were just like <laughs> people just That's like crazy. messaging me. It's like, Iris, do you want to interview at our company? I saw your post. And then um, I think the publicity definitely helped a lot. And then I received so much support and words of encouragement from my own friend circle, my network, uh, people who know about my content. And they just kept reaching out to interview me so at the end i was actually like my schedules were packed for interviews uh for a lot of days and then um and i also got an offer from scale and eventually i decided to go with scale so yeah if you're also feeling down i would say put that um sadness into action and motivate yourself to work hard because it's going to work out and um leverage your personal brand for better publicity and then um, to help you land that better opportunity. It's a business decision that Twitter made, um, especially when Elon Musk is taking over and you guys are sort of the victim of the big change that's happening in the, um, in the industry. And I wonder um, whether you had any opinions in the recent acquisition or what did you think um, about the transition and was it better for Twitter uh, in your opinion or um, what, what's your thought on that? Well, honestly, I, I feel like it's it's kind of a shit show. Um, just it goes. It's I mean, recently there's also the Twitter blue um, right. whole yeah. drama of like, oh, you can spend eight dollars and then buy a Twitter blue logo, which, in my opinion, is just a desperate move for money. Mm. But um, he definitely didn't consider a lot of the consequences that came with that. For example, like companies were losing millions of dollars because there are other fake accounts being created and then buying Twitter blue and then posting, like spreading fake information. 
um, I think one was a pharmaceutical company, um, had a fake company created under their name with Twitter blue um, logo on it. And then they posted like, oh, we're going to give out insulin for free um, for this many people. And then their stock price dropped like a lot and then their company lost millions of dollars. Right. So incidents like that. I think Elon is probably trying to monetize Twitter because that, that is one of the biggest problems with Twitter. But another huge problem with Twitter is also false information and then just spreading fake news, which I don't think he is addressing as much or that some of his actions are causing more um, spreading and misinformation. So I mean, I hope Twitter can get out of this and I hope his leadership can lead the company to a better future, like more as him envisioned, more decentralized um, or more democratized social media. Um, I think he also wanted to connect it on blockchain, but I, I don't I don't know. I I can only hope for the better, but yeah, right now it doesn't seem to be going so well. Yeah. Imagine if you were to get hired as a product manager in the in Twitter, um, what are some actions that you will uh, like to do to help help the uh, digital town square a better place for everyone? Because you um, would have had the opportunity to do so, right? Like, imagine if you're in that scenario, what would you do? Well, actually, if I had joined Twitter, I would have been laid off right now because they laid off all of their Twitter APM. Uh, which is also very unfortunate. I have a really good friend um, also in the program, Lily. So yeah, hoping that they can land better opportunities than Twitter. Um, I mean, I, I didn't work on a product. I, I wouldn't say that I have enough insight to know like <laughs> what's best to do for the company to turn around. Uh, well, for one, they definitely need a sustainable revenue stream. I know they've explored um, different ideas for like monetizing creators. I think creator and people are definitely one of the big, biggest like resource for Twitter, just the amount of popularity and the number of countries it reach and just how big something can become viral. Um, it, like also how fast it, something becomes viral on Twitter. Um, and those all speak volume to the community power at Twitter. And that is really the power that um, Twitter should lean on to either monetize or um, increase their user acquisition or engagement. Um, and for building community, Twitter had some feature um, coming out, like like the, the one that's like similar to Clubhouse where you can right. have a talk on Twitter. I think those are good, but I, I would want to see uh, more feature enabling the community and then bringing people together. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I want to shift gear to your current position at Scale AI. I, I found the story of the founder, Alexander, very inspiring because he's not much older than us. He's only 25 or 26, I believe. And he has built a, a multi-billion dollar company. I think that's super rare. Um, and I wonder what it's like working for um, Alexander in Scale AI, such a you know vibrant company, uh, lead by a twenty-five year old. Um, so maybe you can you know tell me a little bit more what the working environment there was like. 
Yeah, for sure. Honestly, I love working at scale. It's so much fun. And people I work with are just so smart, so driven and hardworking that I feel inspired to work with my colleagues and work for Alexander um, every day. That, And he also brings a lot of um, young energy into the company. I would say the majority of our company are quite young, like in, in their in their twenties. So, um, uh -huh. I would say it's definitely brings uh, a lot of new ideas, new perspective and, um, new talents to the company. And Alexander himself is also very young. So he has a lot of, um, creative ideas all the time. And then, um, he's also bringing us to kind of like a new level of, um, accelerating ML development in the industry that we haven't seen before in other company. And recently we had a hackathon internally, um, just ended last week. Actually, I, I was like, um, I participated in two hackathon projects and then was able to suggest new ideas. So oh, things like this, I think really helped spark innovation happening within the company. And I saw so many other amazing projects that came to life, um, utilizing just our, um, new product in instant LLM. So yeah, I definitely believe in skills future. And I think there's a lot of potential in the machine learning space and that skill will play a very important part in that journey. Yeah. Um, that's great. I, I, it's, it's quite difficult for a young founder, especially in their twenties to build a successful business that can like don't say billions like even worth millions of dollars and i i personally built a startup before it didn't really um end up successful uh, and i have a few friends in our age like early 20 who's tried building their startups um what do you think are the um alexander figure out what what he did differently as a young startup entrepreneur that he's able to you know build scale into such um a, a big scale and, and, um, have so many customers. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not, I'm not him, so I can speak <laughs> for him, but I can speak yeah. from my understanding of yeah. what he did differently. Um, I think he definitely had a lot of grit. Um, he's very persistent. He didn't get bogged down when challenges were hit. I mean, in the beginning of scale starting, it was seen as just a bunch of kids doing random things. And then people don't believe them, um, that they think they're like either in terms of recruiting talents or getting VC funding. Like in the beginning, he was just an MIT dropout who wanted to transform the ML industry. So not everyone believed uh, in his vision, right? But he, he kept going. He didn't give, give up. He uh, was able to recruit a lot of friends from MIT and then like smart people gathering ideas together. And then the second thing would be um, that he saw an unmet need in the industry. Um, in order to build a good machine learning model, you really need data. Um, good data is basically that determines whether your model is going to be good. Um, I mean, you can have really good algorithm, really good engineers writing the model. But if your data is not of high quality, then your model is not going to be as helpful. So he saw that need and he saw that a lot of companies are trying to develop ML or uh, will be, 
and he saw that in, back in 2016. So that was quite incredible.、Um, and then that these companies are going to need people to label data for them so that their data becomes higher quality. So based on this need,、um, this becomes a foundation of skill of data labeling. And then we are basically empowering the entire ML industry、um, for our clients. But then, on top of that, we are currently also building different product verticals to、um, accelerate machine learning development for、um, either. So there, there's more self-serve model、um, like Rapid、um, that smaller companies can use to build ML models themselves.、Um, there are also more,、um, product like Nucleus, where companies are able to. Fine-tune their machine learning learning model better. So we're essentially building into more product、um, into the ML ecosystem that will enable people to build better ML model in the end. So yeah, I would say、um, the entire idea and vision is just very、um, very whole encompassing, and that、um, he was able to see further than anyone else.、Um, that's why he was able to be successful. Wow, that's、uh, that's very insightful. And and I, I guess what what gets you interested in、um, product management? Because I I see you had a lot of experience.、Um, even you transitioned into tech、um, when you were in university. So what gets you interested in in this、uh, product management specifically? I would say I got interested in building products started from university, where I built my first product as um, um, the first product manager at Open Meal. So Open Meal was this nonprofit that we started、um, back in March 2020 at the very beginning of COVID, when we saw the needs for discriminated Asian restaurants that are closing their operations、um, due to COVID, and also food insecurity. A lot of people losing their job and not being able to afford to eat.、Um, and then we built this three-sided platform.、Um, it's B to B to C. Where we fundraise for all the restaurants, and the restaurants are able to distribute free meals out to people in need. So we're helping both the restaurant industry and、um, food insecure individuals. So from building that product from zero to one, I think I really was able to explore what building a product is like, and then what what it means to have real product ownership,、um, to identify persona, and then to understand just. How to advocate for customer needs, and from then on, I interned at a bunch of other companies like Google X, Microsoft, BlackBerry, and some startups.、Um, and I realized building product was my true passion, and I really enjoys、um, bringing joy to the customer and making just knowing that the product I built will have an impact on the user、um, really motivate me to build better product. Um, that are going to help our user to live a better life. Great.、Yeah. Um, so, so Open Meal was sort of、um, your first entry into、um, product management, and and、uh, I saw a lot of、uh, avocados on your on your LinkedIn.、Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I guess tell me a little bit more about how you started Open Meal and your relationship with food.、Um, that's your. That's something that you built from the ground up. Yeah, for sure. I'm a big fan of avocados、um, and <laughs> food. So, in terms of my relationship with food, I think、um, as 
as an Asian person, I would say I like food has always been the love language of our house.、Uh, whenever we're gathering or doing family reunion,、um, my parents would not say, "Iris, we love you." They would say, "Iris, eat this right now." I'm like, okay.、Um, <laughs> That's the、so、love always, language, parents. <laughs> yeah, food should be one of the five, six love languages.、Um, they should add food in it. So. Yeah, that's how、um, my relationship with food got started. Is that、um, my parents expressed love to me with food. So when COVID hit, I think I felt pretty.、Um, I, I felt really empathize. I like really empathize with the Asian restaurants because、mm. a lot of the Asian restaurants were built by immigrants,、um, like who are Asian, and then they. They're like really trying hard to make it in this country, so I really felt for them, and that、um, also with my connection with food. So I just wanted to help. So that's how I got started with food、um, as a industry that I wanted to work on. Yeah, and I guess I saw you、um, did in- indeed raise tons of money and donated meals for people、uh, who experience food insecurities. Um, and looking back at the impact that you made,、um, what was some of your takeaways or the some moments that you're extremely proud of? Yeah, I mean, we ended up raising forty two thousand dollars and gave out over thirty three hundred meals across seven cities in the U.S. It definitely was、uh, it was quite a scaled up movement that、um, also during the during the times of、um, stop Asian hate. Um, so I would say there there are definitely a lot of highlights.、Um, one of them would be、um, our users sometimes would email us.、Uh, so like the food insecure individuals,、uh, one time this mom emailed us a picture of、um, her daughter enjoying an ice cream、uh, with a smile on her face. She's like, my daughter hasn't eaten ice cream all year.、Um, oh, this is the、God. first ice cream, and she is just so happy. And then.、Uh, Our team seeing that was really、um, it was super inspiring for us、um, to see how much joy we're able to be- bring to normal people's life by building a software product that interact with the physical world. So that was definitely a highlight moment.、Um, and other takeaway would be just I I really realize how hard it is to raise money for a nonprofit.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was running events a lot of times. I was、uh, giving speeches,、um, giving people tips on job search, and then charging them for the event fee. So we had to like come up with a lot of creative ways to fundraise when we're more of like a grassroots initiative、um, that had to rely on the public to give us money instead of some other bigger nonprofits that has like government funding or、um, have like big organizations supporting them. So, but then in that process, we we learned a lot about what it's like to fundraise creatively. We also started a merchandise store that has、um, Open Meal merch on it, and、uh, we had influencer marketing. So we we would like host、um, Instagram Live with an, a food influencer, where they're like making some food or trying out some food, and then people can、um, donate. While watching the live stream, and yeah, definitely learned a lot、um, during that 
process and understanding how does marketing work,、um, what does it mean to go to market、um, with some ideas we have. Nice.、Um, so, so now I, I guess you're、um, you're you're a founder of Nutrify.、Uh, it's also related with food, but it's more about the environment and、um, helping people realize the power of understanding what the food.、Um, Footprints are, and, and let them realize and be more cautious of what they buy. So,、um, what was the transition between Open Meal to Nutrify? Did you discover some problems when you were doing Open Meal?、Um, what inspired you、uh, to do Nutrify? Yeah, so for Nutrify, it started out from a hackathon、um, wow. where I was trying to figure out the carbon footprint impact on. Of food, because、uh, I was doing some food-related research at school、uh, to understand oh how much carbon footprint does each kind of food cost, and then I also thought from a larger scale standpoint, if more people shift to vegetarian lifestyle,、um, then not only will that decrease their carbon footprint on the planet. But it would also mean that we'll be using less land to raise animals as a whole on Earth, because animals take up a lot more space than plants to raise, and then、um, the per acre、um, rate of like the production versus how much people it can feed is just、uh, not comparable. So that would also indirectly solve、um, some of the food insecurity problems that we have. In other countries, so yeah, that's how it started with an interest of thinking about problems in food insecurity, sustainability, and then bringing an idea into a hackathon. Then working with a team、um, to brainstorm and then understanding how we can build this into consumers' daily habit to understand the carbon footprint impact on of their food consumption. So that's how Nutrify was born.、Um, Now we iterated a couple of times、uh, from deciding what, where, whether we do an app or Chrome extension, and、uh, what kind of feature we want to offer, what does our MVP look like, and what are, I guess, different part of the customer journey we want to be integrated into, and eventually land on the idea of Chrome extension for Instacart. So,、um, essentially, when you shop on Instacart, you can. Use our extension to see the carbon footprint impact of the food that you're trying to purchase. Nice.、Um, I, I, uh, there's a lot of project actually created from Hakama. It's, it's really、uh, interesting that you mentioned.、Um, a lot of people after the hackathon they forgot about their idea. But what what made you decide that you want to continue to do this?、Um, it is quite rare that people actually make it a reality outside of the hackathon. What are some factors that you know really motivate you to? Actually,、um, make it a project. Yeah,、um, I would say that I I always found that a shame as well. A lot of hackathon projects had such great ideas, but people don't execute or continue with it.、Um, I just found it quite a shame, and I wanted to break that cycle because I I do care about this cause, and I want more people to. Benefit from not only like the health benefit of、um, being a vegetarian and also、um, 
being able to bring up a consumer movement that can help our planet. So that's how I decided to continue with it. And I think if you're also working on hackathon projects, um, you should consider continuing. And hackathon is a good place to recruit for people. Uh, and you can ask them to stay on further if, if they're interested in. But if not, I think turning on project is also quite quite common. Like people are going to come and leave, but that's just um, the normal life cycle of side projects. You can always recruit new volunteers if um, there are other people who are interested in your mission. You mentioned you, you guys made multiple iteration and now finally you guys decided to do a Chrome extension for Instacart. What were some you know struggles in between and, and some steps that you took? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, first step is to gather people based on um, the initial prototype we had and then also the mission behind it. Um, so I was doing sales pitch all the time. I basically joined in a lot of climate change related conference uh, online. And um, there were a lot of events that were related to sustainability or food, anything that's like somewhat related to our topic, I joined and then I would post about Nutrify and then I would talk about Nutrify whenever there's a chance um, and ask people to DM me if they are interested in joining and that we're recruiting. And I was posted on LinkedIn that we're looking for volunteers, um, was basically able to leverage um, opportunities to meet other individuals who care about climate and also my personal brand to recruit for Nutrify. So once we gathered around a team, um, we would start having, well, each person will be recruited into a different team on Nutrify. So I had to like understand what are the teams we need, um, build a build a team structure for each team and then host regular meetings for team meeting and an all hands meeting and then assign team leads for each team because I can't be in a weeds for every team. So. It's a lot of uh, structuring um, the organization, understanding each person's strength, like who will be a good lead, and then uh, making sure everyone is aligned on the mission. So after doing that, uh, there were some pivot that we tried to make because um, initially I think we were trying to do more of an app idea that uh, people can scan product in person and like the barcode of uh, grocery stores and then see carbon footprint, uh, which would be a lot, which would be like definitely a lot uh, more common than online shopping. But the problem with that is uh, we don't have a lot of the database from barcode and barcodes vary from store to store or region to region. So it's very hard to get a standardized uh, common way for us to recognize the barcode. Uh, so we decided to transition into the online integration with Instacart. And Chrome extension was also the idea um, that emerged later because it would be more integrated into the user's um, existing workflow of them buying groceries. So that would also be more convenient and in building into the user habit. Yeah, um, like for example, like a lot of our consumer, like I believe the consumer right now they're more health conscious and they, they tend to read the nutrition fact of the product they're purchasing. Um, for example, like people are um, trying to have more uh, plant-based milk like almond milk or oat milk, 
But what they didn't know is how much energy or, or water is, uh, is being consumed to grow almond and to make an almond milk. Um, so unconsciously, they might be expen expending or spend spending more carbon footprint to consume the product. Do you think it makes more sense for the government to also put, like, for example, how much emission was emitted from making this product into the product label in the future so that people are more conscious? Yeah, definitely. I think that's... Uh... I believe that it will eventually be a policy change that by the pushed by the government um, to all the food brands and then through regulation, then we can really transform the food industry today. Um, putting carbon footprint is one thing. And yeah, like you said, almond milks do consume a lot of water and that is just other factors that should be put into that carbon equation. It's not just carbon footprint, there's water, consumption. Um, there's a lot of the other pro procedures that you want to consider. Um, and I would say nutrition is a big factor as well. So we're um, at Nutrify, we also try to incorporate nutrition into our extension. We not only talk about um, the carbon footprint level, but also the nutrition level in terms of um, the composition of the food. So for people who are health conscious and climate conscious, they can compare and choose what's best for them. So yeah, I think eventually carbon footprint label will be regulated by the government, just like how calorie label wasn't regulated until um, last century. Um, so yeah, the movement will happen. It will just take more time and uh, more climate activists um, advocating for this to happen. Yes. So right now you're doing a Chrome extension for Instacart specifically. Um, it's it's very targeted. I really like how you guys started with a very small and targeted market. But I, I would imagine like you guys have such a great vision and you want to let everyone to be conscious of the uh, the um, the environmental impact of making such food. So what would be your next steps um, in terms of raising more awareness and let more people um, to use your product? Yeah, I mean, first, we definitely want to uh, make sure that we can capture the market for Instacart and then uh, allow more people to know about us and then follow our journey so that they could use the product uh, when when it's coming out. And then second, we want to expand into like other grocery stores online as well. Like eventually we want to be just a generic um, Chrome extension for anyone that's shopping online. So I think the next big shop that we want to incorporate will be definitely Amazon Grocery. Um, and then after expanding into the online grocery market, I think being able to have an app uh, for those who shop in person will be quite important as well. So that just requires us to build up a bigger database um, for that to happen. Okay, thank you. Um... It's very rare to see um, a person who um, build project or startups uh, focusing on the social impact. I know, I know um, there's a lot of my friends who's building businesses or or a company um, for the purpose of you know providing a feature or product to charge money. But um, for you, it's quite different. You want to make an impact and, and you want to um, you know create and make differences in the society so what is it what is it like to be in a social impact entrepreneur yeah i would say it's definitely different in the sense that it's um harder to think of monetization models because when you're 
working to make social impact, um, it doesn't always align with the business goal. So、mm-hmm. that is difficult. And but then for me, I would say I I really enjoy my job at scale. I don't see myself leaving anytime soon. And I think I want to like my career is still going to be product manager at scale, right? Like.、Um, Nutrify is only a side project, and I don't need it to make revenue. I just want to make sure that it's creating good in the world. So, money is not really an important aspect to me at this point.、Uh, it's more about whether we can create more awareness and food sustainability and build a better future for the planet. So, that's why it doesn't really matter for me. But I mean, for someone who's building a startup, that's different. Like if that's what they're working on full time. Then they definitely need to make sure that it's sustainable financially, and that it's、um, it's a real business. I think for Nutrify, we're not still a side project, and I am okay with that. Great. And is there like a a life goal for you?、Um, what do you want to do in the, in the long term, in the long run? Is there like a a personal goal for you?、Uh, what do I want to do in the long term? Yeah, yeah. So is there like um. A a a dream or like a personal goal that you want to achieve in in the next five ten years, either with scale or your side project, like um you know what do you have in mind? I think it's impossible to plan for ten year goals.、Uh, I mean, I could plan it, but whether it will actually happen is um is very much up in air. But in terms of what I would envision, like things that I'm interested in, would be um. I think I want to continue to be a product manager or、um, building product as either a PM or a founder in the future, and building product that I care about, product that、uh, will have social impact in the end. And I think also potentially investing in startups in the future. So either as an angel investor or VC, being able to. Enable the future of innovation. I think those are all things that I could see myself doing in the next ten years. Great. And any、um, last advice for people out there who want to build a social impact project to influence more people and and、uh, bring goods to the world? Yeah. If you're having an idea or if you see a problem that you really care about, go go for it. I would say、um, you want to be solving problems that you care about and. It's less about a solution; it's more about a problem. Like as long as you always have passion about a problem, you can always pivot your solution. So, I would say,、um, go find a product problem that you love,、um, that you want to solve, and think of different ways to tackle this.、Um, and you don't have to be set on an idea to start with. You can, you can just explore. Make sure that you really understand the gap in the market. Understand what are the existing product offerings and how can you be better、um, than what the current products are offering, like or what they're currently not solving. So seeing that market gap and then finding that problem is really the key to building a successful product, and、um, also making sure you have a good team,、uh, a team who understands your mission, a team who will support you, who、um, are passionate about problem as well. To build something together, and yeah, I mean, the 
building a side project can also be taxing, right? Like, so you also want to make sure to take care of yourself, your health. Um, it's always the most important thing. And then, yeah, go create more good in the world. Thank you, Iris. Go create more good in the world. Thank you for sharing your uh, experiences and thank you for making um, Open Meal and Nutrify to impact more people. Um, I'm definitely moved by your ideas and action in creating good for community and hope uh, people who are listening um, can do the same. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ideas Can't Wait podcast. If you have taken something away from this episode and really enjoyed our conversation, it will mean the world to me if you can leave a review on wherever you're listening or watching. It will help this podcast to reach more like-minded people like you. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next one.